African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. We're right here on Channel Africa, where you get the African perspective. It is 11 o'clock once again. We'll be with you until midday. This is when we contextualize one or more issues on the program. And uh, today we're coming back to South Africa. Uh, There have been uh, land public hearings which have been taking place across the country in South Africa. It's been actually very interesting to observe these public hearings and just the nature of them and this is based on South Africa's Committee on Constitutional Review which has been mandated by the country's parliament uh, that has been holding these public hearings across the country in a quest to get uh, public opinion on the state to expropriate land in the public interest without compensation. Uh, This uh, is uh, going to be done through challenging uh, the constitution section number 25 and amending it A motion by the opposition party, the Economic Freedom Fighters, or the EFF, was successfully passed in Parliament with the ruling African National Congress backing it. Although the Constitution, some say, already allows for uh, land expropriation without compensation on the basis that it is just and equitable. If there is a change, it will be the first time for an amendment in uh, the uh, Bill of Rights within the Constitution. Well, let's first listen to Vincent. Smith, who we spoke to earlier, who is the co-chair of the Constitutional Review Committee, he spoke to my colleague Ayanda Mkwanazi, and Ayanda asked him, rather, really around what he thought of his first impressions of the public hearing process. I think we underestimated the interest that South Africans would have had in the subject. When we were planning, we were planning to have about 350 participants per venue. We've had over 300% more than that, uh, 800,000, 2,000 in Mouthsprite. So South Africans are very, very interested and determined to have their voices heard. The second that came out for me, I think, was the quality of the argument. Both those that were in favor of amending the Constitution to allow for expropriation without compensation, and those that felt that the Constitution in its current form already allows for 
expropriation without compensation. Those arguments have not been one-liners, I support or I don't support. And then the third one is that uh, whilst there is a lot of tension and anxiety, uh, people have been willing to listen to dissenting voices. And what has been the, the demographic of the people that have been coming through? I mean, are you seeing a lot of young people? Is it a mixture? Um, is it racially divided or is it really just quite equal? There is a, a very equal division between male and female. Uh, I think there's a sizable number of young people. I think in terms of the racial demographics, there's probably in all our meetings, probably, I don't know, 7, 10% uh, white to the 90% black. Though, uh, occasionally, we've got to stand up and ask people just to be tolerant. Uh, They've listened to IFP, listened to... Cope, listen to ANC, listen to EFF, listen to Agri-Forum, listen to the farmer, listen to the farm worker. Whether we agreed or disagreed with them, uh, people listened. So, yes, it's been across the board. You name it, uh, they were there in terms of interest groups. And, I mean, the current situation is that, you know, when people are given land, some of them opt to, to sell it and have money in exchange. How can we teach people that land is much more valuable than 100,000 rands cash? Ours is purely to ask whether the constitution should be amended. The question that you're asking is a very, very important question. Uh, that is not within the purview of this committee. But I do think that all these uh, stakeholders or opinion leaders or organizations that mobilize their people to come and participate have a role uh, in educating, as you say, our our citizens that uh, land is actually a vehicle by which you can unlock capital. If, and let's say we, we do expropriate without compensation, would that possibly threaten food supply or the quality of food that is being produced and distributed? We're not talking here about taking land from the farmers per se. There's lots of, of, of idle land that is lying around. There's a lot of government-owned land that is currently in the hands of state-owned entities. So all those pieces of land are idle and not doing any agricultural productivity currently. So it's not as if somebody will get up tomorrow and take all the land from the farmers. So, no, I don't think there will be a threat to food security. I think if it's done uh, responsibly, it will, in fact, enhance food security because people with land will be able to farm on a small-scale basis. Well, that's the voice there of Vincent Smith, who is the co-chair of the Constitutional Review Committee, speaking there to my colleague Ayandam Kwanazi. Very interesting questions there, and I like the line of questioning in terms of uh, the demographic of people who are actually there within the public hearings. It's also interesting uh, to actually hear a little bit of how some of the conversations have been dominated also by political parties in the various uh, uh, provinces. Well, to help us really unpack this so far, we are joined uh, by uh, Anele, or Zanele rather, Luana on the line, uh, who is the Deputy President of uh, Black First Land First, and then we also have Barent Ace, who is the Deputy CEO of Community 
Community Affairs AFRI forums. And then I want to take this conversation a bit further than whether we agree with uh, uh, the issue of compensation without expropriation, uh, land expropriation without compensation, rather. Uh, it's very interesting uh, to see this particular process take place currently, which has been actually very controversial at the beginning, uh, where we saw in Limpopo a little conflict between COPE leader Monsieur Lekota and Julius Malema from the Economic Freedom Fighters. And that kind of set the tone in terms of how politicized the land question has been so far. From from your perspective, when we look at this current process that we're in right now, what have been your first observations? Good morning to you and your listeners, and thank you so much for inviting us. Um, so let me just start by stating it clear that also as the Lexus Lancers, we are participating in the public hearings that are being held across all nine provinces in the country by the Constitutional Review Committee. And I would like to say that we move as Black First Land First from a premise that all land in South Africa belongs to the black majority and that it should be returned to the rightful owners, mm. which are black people, without any conditionalities. We have also expressed uh, very much our dissatisfaction with the process from the motion that was proposed by the Economic Freedom Fighters in Parliament and seconded by the ruling party, which is the African National Congress. And this process, we have been vocal to say it is flawed on a number of reasons. First of all, um, this was a motion on land expropriation without compensation to send a message particularly to the black electorate that members of parliament and in particular parties such as the EFF and and the ANC Mm. to send a signal that they are dealing with this issue whereas in essence if you analyze the passing of the motion it's a delay tactic actually to deal with the question of land return to its rightful owners. We have then recategorized this whole process as a roadshow because what the committee is basically doing, they are going across nine provinces and they are asking a question to the black majority on whether they want land expropriation without compensation or not. And we believe that the general black uh, uh, um, population in mm. South Africa, we are all in agreement that um, land should be returned. And also, we there is uh, the, there is a land expropriation bill mm. that is also sitting with the committee of public works um, that had not been signed by the then president, which is our former president now, President Zuma. If members of parliament were really serious about fast-tracking the process of returning the land to its rightful owners, they would go to the Public Works Committee, make the necessary amendments to ensure that land is returned without any compensation. In particular, to also remember that it takes minimum about 410 days for a new bill to be reintroduced into parliament. And in August, when the Constitutional Review Committee is going to come back and report to Parliament, they are going to report on recommendations as per the public hearings that they are currently holding across the country. And the, the Constitutional Review Committee, in fact, since its inception, has not made any amendments whatsoever with regards to the constitution of mm. the country. Okay. And then also, 
Yeah. I, but let me just add all right, very sure. briefly that with so so as I have outlined uh, our dissatisfaction with the process that is being followed, there are also ideological misconceptions as we have seen in particular from the president of the country, which is Cyril Ramaphosa, and the likes of Julius Malema. For example, in fact, even the recent comments now from Mr. Vincent Smith, who is the co-chair mm. of the Constitutional Review Committee, they are all coming out clear that the, 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 the process to amend the, the Section 25 of the Constitution has to do to open up channels in order for um, unused land, underutilized land and land that is not in the hands of white settler minority to be expropriated. So no one is speaking about how 80% of the productive land in the country remains in a white settler minority and remains okay. in an... I hear you, Sanil. I need to give our other guests uh, a viewpoint in, in this conversation. Let me come uh, uh, to you, Barend. Clearly, there are different... Uh, um, whether it's uh, ideological views on this issue of expropriation, as you've heard from the very passionate Zanella on the phone, and also what also we're starting to see in this particular process is the highly politicizing of the land question. And it seems like it, it as was alluded to by Zanella, as she states, that it's become a political uh, roadshow and a, maybe a card for the upcoming election. What are your thoughts on some of the views that came out from Zanella? Do you think this public hearing uh, process is genuine from your perspective and viewpoint? Um, Benjamin, let me first start um, by reacting um, on something that um, Vincent Smith said. He basically said that at, at these hearings, you basically had two views. The one, the one view is that you do not need to change the Constitution to expropriate without compensation. And mm. the other view is then that you cannot, with the current Constitution, expropriate without compensation. Now, I just want to make it clear. My, I followed the events quite closely, mm. and it is clear that there are two views. There's the view that the constitution needs to be amended and then there is the view that the constitution do not need to be amended both those views the fundamental assumption is that you do in fact need to amend the constitution to expropriate without compensation so let's just be very clear on that the current constitution states that you can not expropriate without compensation um, that as a first. Mm. And then to, um, to reply to Zanele or give my comments on what Zanele said, um, the first is that she said the committee is, the ask, is asking the black majority. Now, I do not think the committee is asking the black majority their opinion. The committee, as a committee of parliament, is asking South Africans mm. their opinion. Um, it is also quite unsettling that um, she refers to um, white people as white settler minority. I think it would be simply more correct um, to just say that we are South Africans currently in a process of public consultation 
whether their, com- their constitution should be amended or not. Well, let's look at that particular issue, Barent, because there is a historical context. Are you not dismissing that by saying that some of the sentiments that have that historical narrative and uh, kind of linguistic character to what Zanella was saying are uh, actually why we're actually doing this particular process, that that historical context cannot be dismissed in any way? Uh, most definitely not. Um, I think the important thing then is to just have a balanced and fair um, look at history. And it is our opinion um, at every forum that um, the expropriation without compensation, the whole debate that is um, currently um, in South Africa, is it's based on a distorted version of history. Um, so in which course, sense? In which uh, sense do you say that? So what the history is painted as a, as a very simple picture. So it's simply a picture of bad, evil land dispossessors, and they are white, and then good black dispossessed. Now, unfortunately, the history of this country, and no history anywhere on this planet, mm. is that simple. It is true, and it, if you look at the facts, that... Current landowners, or let's rather say, current landowners basically obtained their land by buying it or by inheriting it. Not that's all of them. Some of them inherited it. Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. Hmm. I say. Okay. They basically inherited it hmm. or they bought it. Okay. okay. So if you look back in history, there's three ways that land was obtained by people who owns land currently black or white. It is one, the occupation of deserted land. Two, negotiations about land or for land and three um, land through conquest the obtaining of land through conquest if you look at historical facts the fact is that the bits of land or land that was acquired through conquest is the smallest portion of land Um, and of course we're also sort of looking at history and we're stopping at 1913 but we need to look, if we want to properly consider history, we need to look at the whole of history. And, of mm. course, it's, well, it's impossible to look at all of history because, unfortunately, we do not live forever. And then we can say, South Africa, it's complex. Many mm. people lived in South Africa. All right. There was movement of people, and there was dispossession. You cannot say that dispossession was only whites dispossessed blacks. There were right. also dispossessions where blacks dispossessed blacks. And let just give me you, you one example. No, okay, um, let, let, let me just let take me, a quick let break. Me, let me just give you one example. Barenta, I also have to mediate this kind of conversation, so I've given you around uh, seven minutes to, to give me your brief viewpoint. I'm going to take a quick break, and coming after this break, I'm going to have Nombumulelo Seme, who's an attorney and lecturer at the Property Law Department at the Witt School of Law. Maybe can mediate the different dynamics that we've heard, both from Barent Ace and Zanele Luana. Seems like... Uh, what Barent is highlighting is highlighting the historical context. He says it's skewed. Whose narrative are we going to actually expropriate the land through without compensation? Whose story are we going to hear first and whose story aren't we going to hear? And that's where things actually get very messy when it starts becoming racialized and you can't non-racialize it because that's just the nature of uh, this particular subject matter. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to our guests and try see how this process is going to unfold because already it's starting to become more and more complex and we're seeing as it manifests itself through these public hearings that are happening in South Africa. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this.
Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements, the voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Uh, We come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours of Central African time. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama, on our program today. Earlier this year, the National Assembly and the National Council of Province resolved to mandate the Joint Constitutional Review Committee to review the section of the Constitution, which is Section 25, looking at the issue of uh, actually ensuring that you can can um, uh, have land expropriation without compensation. That's the big conversation we're having, not necessarily on do we agree with the process in itself, but now the steps that are being processed and how things are manifesting themselves currently with what's happening with the public hearings uh, from uh, uh, across the country where uh, the Constitutional uh, Review is actually, act, the Committee on the Constitutional Review is actually going around various the provinces to speak to the public around this particular process. Nombumelelo Seme, thank you for joining us. If you just joined us in the middle of this discussion, what was actually questioned and what was actually brought to the forefront was the fact that the process is being questioned now in terms of its roots, its intention, and uh, another guest, Berent Ace from AfriForum, was questioning the concept of uh, whether um, the Constitution allows uh, land expropriation without compensation or not. Let's start with the latter, whether the Constitution allows land expropriation without compensation. Uh, Nompumulelo, what are your thoughts? Because there's also a lot of conversations around that and confusion in regards to that. Good morning to you and good morning to Byron and all the listeners at home. Um, Yes, a constitution is subject to interpretation. There is an interpretation which I obviously favor and a number of academics look at the constitution support that a reading of the constitution that allows Mm. for expropriation without compensation is quite possible if the government is expropriating in the public interest because Even if you think about it, if someone acquired land, if you think about Mm. land, Mm. the acquisition of land, and it was through a state grant, they didn't pay much, and um, they were offered support by the state to Mm. develop the land subsidies, Section 25.3 lists all of these factors that need to be taken into account when a court is determining the amount of compensation that needs to be paid when land is expropriated. The test is it must be just and equitable. Now, 
just and equitable has been interpreted in the courts to mean that first, the entry point is of the two-stage test is the market value of the property. You look at the market value and then you work it out, considering all the other factors listed in the Constitution, which is the current use of the property, mm. the history of its acquisition, the extent of the investment by the state into the property, and the purpose of the expropriation. You can, if you're using, using those factors, come to a situation where there is no compensation that can be paid. So on the reading of the Constitution, which is Section 25.3 on how compensation needs to be calculated, mm-hmm. that reading in conjunction with what the cases have said in court about the market value, especially if one looks at the recent uh, judgment from the Land Claim Court um, in the Caesar judgment, which was appealed to the SCA, but the test is there. So we are saying that we just the law hasn't said this is not possible. Why are we not having a test case if we could to see that if this interpretation can lend credence can be lent credence by the court? So Nampumelelo, that now brings the question of why then go through this entire process if the courts have already made that interpretation. So the the idea is that we have not we are Expropriating land, or we want to expropriate land without compensation because we say that land reform isn't working because of the concept of the willing buyer, of the principle of the willing buyer, willing seller, which is the, in the expropriation bill, the 1975 Expropriation Bill, Expropriation Act, uh, which Expropriation Act needs to be amend, um, needs to be approved. So why we are having this is because people are frustrated because the I, the idea that is being told or the story that is being told is that this willing buyer, willing seller is pushing the market prices up and therefore we cannot buy land in order to resettle people. Mm. Obviously there are a lot of um, untruths in that whole story because Mm. it's more complex than that. If you look at at land reform, there are many um, factors that are contributing to how land reform is pending. And government has never really attempted to expropriate land in order to redistribute it for people to gain access, even in, 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 in urban areas, and failed to do so, such that they would have to take a matter up to court so that the court can make a determination. So why go that route if, if um, this is um, a viable option? However, I think what is going on now, it is very important. It's a discussion that we should have had years ago. So the, for me, the public hearings, are really the TRC we never had, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission we never had on land. So, because it is, people are expressing their frustration about a number of things other than the expropriation without compensation, because even the discussion, the discussion is not a constitutional discussion. It is not a constitutional law discussion. It is a discussion about how people feel feel or continue to experience the injustice. How they cannot understand that we have a democracy and yet nothing has changed. You know So I think that is an important it's mm. an important aspect of it. It may not be um what the expectation is from Mm. people who are scrutinizing the law, studying the law Mm. and looking at constitutional review as such. But that, those views are going to be very important to inform um, policy direction in many other areas and to actually be an eye-opener for us as South Africans to view ourselves through those hearings and see the frustration 
in the country. Barrett, let me come to you. I think we lost Zanele there on the line, but l- l- let me continue this discussion with you because if that is the case that, you know, the, that in some ways you can actually have land expropriation without compensation on what Numbumelelo highlighted on the basis of what is just inequitable, are we not using this particular land issue as um, a false kind of platform to conflate national issues that could be done through a different process? I think that it's, it's, um, there are a number of responses to that depending on where you stand. So people see the distinction between the law and politics and national dialogue and government and politics. It's all connected. It's intricate. You can't talk about land without talking about politics. In fact, most of the formations of political movements in South Africa were premised on the promise of land and the return of land to the people. So it's quite, um, it's it's a fallacy really to engage in the debate about land and think that you're only going to engage purely in the arena of law. All right, Parent, come in. What are your thoughts? Um, uh, so, um, Benjamin, um, I must say that that I, I cannot I cannot really agree. Um, I cannot see how you can say that just an equitable compensation can ever be zero rand. And I think it is because we are having this discussion as if we are talking about something far away and not something that is a reality. So. Let's just say what we are talking about here. We are saying you've got a current farm owner um, farming on his land. That is the way he's providing for his family. And now we are saying that the current constitution allows for a process to be followed and then to tell that person that, okay, we are going to, to remove the only means that you have to look after your family and we are not going to give you a cent for that. And I think let's let's just think about what we are saying. We are, we, are, we are talking about real people that need to look after their families and we are saying that we are going to take everything they have and we are not going to compensate um, that, them, for, um, them for that. And let's just be clear on another thing. And, and I see that, um, it, that this is a thing that, that is happening all the time, that this debate, everybody talking about this debate makes it about land only. And, 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 and even you, yourself, you said land expropriation without compensation. Maybe the debate started around land, but Section 25 of the Constitution is not about the protection of the right to own land. It is about the protection of mm. the right to own property, mm. any property. So if you would change Section 25 of the Constitution to make it possible for the government to take something from somebody that they currently legally own and obtain through legal means, to take that without compensation, you are basically destroying property rights in South Africa. All right, some if people. Look, let me just. If you look at the world, you can look at places, even places close together. Mm. North and South Korea is an example. No property rights in North Korea. Property rights in South Korea. And with the people of South Korea, it's really going well. And with the people of North Korea, it's not going well. But in, in terms of that, some some people, because of that historical 
perspective that land has been inherited through uh, colonial means. Some people would argue that that could be the illegality that doesn't that actually enables um, the land to be expropriated. Okay, okay. Let, let, let's make it practical because I think the problem of this debate is that we really like to, to, to make it a theoretical thing. So I currently own a farm. Mm. My grandfather's great-grandfather bought that from, from, from the British government. Mm. Okay? I do not know how the British government obtained the land. That specific piece of land was part of a piece of land that was actually negotiated between Andri Spies and King Mpande Kasingakona mm. of the Zulu the English came and they, they said Mpande could not give that land or sell that land um, to Andres Peace because mm. it already belonged to the British when they annexed that part of KwaZulu-Natal. Mm. So now my question is, so I am, the current, I am the current owner of that land. And my grandfather's great-grandfather bought that land from the British government and maybe we must do a very intensive historical study mm. of how the British government obtained that land. All right, l- that let me... does not make mm. me a land thief or right. somebody that owns something illegally mm. or, or somebody that obtains something mm. through illegal means. Mm-hmm. Let me bring in Zanelle. I think she's back on the line. Zanelle Luana from uh, the Black First Land First organization. She's the deputy president there. Zanelle definitely is complex. You know, what are your thoughts on the idea of maybe there should be more of a historical inquisition behind these issues? Because already so far, everyone is contesting this land and everyone is claiming my grandfather owns this land because they got it from this particular individual. And then the ownership is questioned in terms of uh, the land transactions that took place uh, uh, before um, uh, this current status that we find ourselves in currently. Um, Let me just say that the current land reform policy in South Africa now since 1994 has been in fact perpetuating and legitimizing the illegal, the greatest crime against humanity, which was dispossessing the African people and dispossessing them through brutality, Mm. through violence, through wars, through genocide. And we are saying, as Black First Land First, in fact, our submission to this current debate on the amendment of Section 25 of the Constitution, Mm. because it is Section 25, which is the property clause that gives those who are white, who stole the land from the African people, legal recourse to hold on into this Uh, land. Zanel, just to... Section 25 of the Constitution... Sorry to interrupt you, Zanel. I understand that. But definitely, you you do need some form of inquisition to get the historical um, context on how that land is going to be acquired and from who it's going to be acquired and and for what reasons... I take note of your historical kind of referencing the colonial history of the past, but how do we actually do that practically to make sure that we're not just taking land away from anybody anyhow? Yeah. Um, uh, let me just also add once more that the constant reminder that uh, uh, we must constantly look back into history as if history is not so clear and who, on who was depossessed. It isn't clear. It is, is it really clear? And who is the dispossessor? But anyway, let me provide um, Mm. a way forward. We say, as Black First Land says, our contribution to this debate, Section 25 of the Constitution, all of it should be removed. There must be a clear declaration 
that all land in South Africa, in particular land that is in the hands of white people, was stolen from black people, and therefore it must be returned. Mm. There must be a clear declaration that is not going to criminalize the black majority Mm. who continue to occupy land in this country. Because we know in order for us to strive as a people, we must have ownership to the land of this country. The constant denial of the lived reality and the pain of black people is not going to take us forward. For example, Mm. the representative of Afri Forum continues to speak about how they have inherited the farm from their great great fathers and that the family who happens to own the farm provides for the family. Half of the population in this country, which is mostly youth, remains unemployed in this mm. country. So we are we are speaking about millions and millions of people who are unemployed, who live in abject poverty, okay. who are able to who are unable to provide for their own uh, family. Sure. So it's a historical redress, mm. and we must be true right, in Samuel. our process of of, of 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 correcting this. And the first step is to be clear. That land in South Africa belongs to black people, and it can't be that as the majority we remain land and at the margins of the economy. All right, let me let me come back to you, Nombumelelo. There's two different clear directions that this conversation is taking place. While Barent is very much asking for specifics and wanting details on kind of a historical narrative that would actually be very contextual to how the land is compensated. We see from the other hand, Zanele from Black First, Land First saying, very being very generic and looking at a, tr- a factual historical fact of how land was taken away from a black majority and the context that we find ourselves currently of unemployment and how land is actually a source of uh, of remuneration of income uh, so it's two kind of different uh, opposite views that are clashing towards each other. And uh, I think that's going to be a constant, a constant uh, fight moving forward after these talks. Well, yes, I think the discussion about land and land itself, and, and maybe uh, for parent also property, I think we're talking about land here because the focus on the constitutional review is on the land issue. But and most of the discussion, public hearings taking place today are taking place around land, not necessarily shares and mm. equity and all the other. And that is why the, the discussion was focused on that. But I think to go back on the narrative and the two narratives that Zanella and Byron are presenting, in fact, this is the problem, at, the problem at the heart of discussions around land. It's that there is a general narrative about how land was stolen, and the history of its acquisition. That is a general political narrative. But that narrative disintegrates at the particular. So when you are now dealing with particular instances, the narrative is difficult to sustain, Mm. which is why you find that even where land is returned to communities, there there will be another claim against that land Mm. by now, black people against black people. Mm. Because the, the the history is not so monolithic as we want to mm. want it to be. Sure. So it, it does it does become problematic because we also know that there are portions that the Swazi King has wanted to has wanted to claim. Mm. Mm. There are questions so there are re- the reason why the con- there was a decision to make land claims or restitution 
only go back to 1913 was because of the realization of the complex nature of determining who owned land when. Whereas with 1913, that would have been easier mm-hmm. to determine. Still difficult, still difficult to prove. I mean, in the recent decision in the land claim, of the land claim court mm-hmm. uh, dealing with the Crook farm in Guazulu Natal, sure. you could see that the oral narrative of the um, of the black people who were claiming to be dispossessed of that farm were really so scanty and so difficult to prove as mm-hmm. opposed to the documentary evidence that was produced by the Crook family who brought the land from the British government. So it, there, is a very un, it, there is a very unjust manner in which this pans out, even at court. It just shows how really the marginalization of um, people, especially poor people, takes place even as the law is protecting them. So mm. I think we need to be very careful mm. and understand that very well, that there is a general narrative that says land was taken, was stolen by white people from black people. But at the particular level, at the local level, that narrative definitely disintegrates. So we need to mm. talk about history very carefully, mm. acknowledging, of course, that there many things are lost. And I think Byron mentioned something about you know, where King Bande would be giving land to British um, colonialists mm. or there was a negotiation mm-hmm. where there would be negotiations to acquire land. Mm. We also need to look into that very carefully mm-hmm. because um, I think it was Elsa B. Sandeskedo who said, to, who I had a conversation about this and who said that the idea that there was a negotiation about land because I'm sure at that time, King Bande was coming from a different perspective. If you are given land mm. in that context, mm. you are not given land to own. Ownership is not a key concept. In fact, I think this idea that mm. ownership is the golden key that will um, unsettle all our prob- settle all our problems is not necessarily a true one. Well, we have to wrap it up there. Unfortunately, I've run out of time. I actually went over time, but it is a complex uh, conversation. This is what the show reveals, that it's not so one-dimensional as it looks in uh, the public sphere. But thank you to our guests for giving us all your different views because they show us how polarized the conversation is when it comes to the land question. Thank you to Nombumeleme Seme, who is uh, the attorney and lecturer in property law at Vit School of Law. Thank you to Parent Ace, who is from Afri Forum, the Deputy CEO of Community Affairs, and Zanele Luana, who is the Deputy President of Black First Land First. Not an easy topic indeed. Just shows you how difficult it is to really, really deal with the specificities of this particular topic.